Fundraising everywhere. 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 Welcome to the Fundraising Everywhere podcast, where we give you a glimpse into one of our amazing webinars or conferences. You can check out one of our full sessions and get a 50% discount by using the code FEPODCAST at fundraisingeverywhere.com. Yep, just head to the Fundraising Everywhere website and use the code FEPODCAST at the checkout to get 50% off any of our sessions. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody, and welcome to our free webinar today. And today is finding the perfect match um, in five inspiring partnerships and what you can learn from them. And shortly, um, I'll be handing over to the wonderful Andy King and Nina Safari, who know far more about this than I do. Also, don't forget, um, we're doing this um, event today, but we also do next month have our Corporate Partnerships Everywhere conference coming up. We are still on early bird prices at the moment, so I'd get in whilst you can. We've got an incredible lineup coming for that event, and I'm so, so excited. And we will also be um, inviting Nina and Andy back again. But without further ado, Roses are red, violets are blue. This perfect partnership meant your charity grew. Now, I'm going to bring on screen the wonderful Andy King and the amazing Nina Safari. So, hi everybody. Um, happy Valentine's Day. Hope that you're having a good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in the world. Um, so, I'm Nina Safuri and I am a fundraising consultant. Um, and I've been in the, the consultancy game maybe for about four years now. But previous to that, I was the director of fundraising and marketing at Warchild UK. And during our time at Warchild, we grew corporate income from um, a very small baby. Of about half a million a year which is still actually quite significant to around four million a year so I'm going to take you on a wee journey today on and give you some hints and tips on some of the things that we did um, and hopefully we'll I'll give you some takeaways that maybe you'll be able to really apply some of the learnings um, in your in your work so I'm really excited for today and I'm really excited to be doing this with Andy a very new, well I say new friend but um, it feels like I've known you Andy forever um, but yeah oh, lovely Andy over to you. Awesome thanks Nina. Uh, the, the excitement is mutual. Um, as Mandy says, it's a nice pairing for a Valentine's Day special. Um, it's the thing when you meet someone in a pub, you often, it, it goes beyond. Um, it's really exciting to be sharing uh, with someone who has such tangible examples from their career as well, which is awesome. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Andy King. I'm a storyteller for hire. Um, I specialize in telling our most important stories to those who have the power to change the ending which does often mean companies and corporate partnerships. 
I've been in this space for a fairly long time, and I'm really excited to bring some really recent and some really powerful corporate partnerships examples to you. So we're just going to bring up the slides now. Um, what we're going to do is run through five partnerships that Nina and I are just really obsessed with. We think are the perfect match. And we're actually going to go through them by theme. So we're going to look at the types of partnerships that we really mm -hmm. like, share with you the learnings that you can apply to your own charity, and then give you a killer case study that we think really exemplifies the point. Um, as Mandy mentioned at the start, there will hopefully be room for questions at the end. So as we're going through the session, please do pop any questions or thoughts that you might have into the chat box and we'll come back to them at the end. Uh, but we'll get started with the first theme on the next slide now. So the first theme is something that hopefully isn't new to you. It's about the importance of involving companies in your mission. There has been a lot of conversation in the sector about the difference between corporate fundraising and corporate partnerships. And you'll notice from the title of our conference next month, Corporate Partnerships Everywhere, that that's really the space that we feel the sector needs to be moving to. There's actually a great quote in one of the Remarkable Partnerships reports from a head of CSR who said that they open emails from corporate partnerships managers and they delete emails from corporate fundraisers. And the reason they delete emails from corporate fundraisers is they see that label, corporate fundraising, as someone who is a fundraising vampire come to suck all the profit out of the company that they can and then move on to the next victim, which is a pretty harsh phrasing but does show you that companies are really sick of being treated as big bank accounts. And so it just feels right to start this conference by talking about corporate value raising and corporate partnerships. And the place that that starts is by asking yourself, ideally in a room with your senior management team, how can companies help us achieve our mission in ways beyond just giving money? And it's worth saying, I've seen the Remarkable Partnerships team deliver this workshop for a number of charities. And even when you say, how can companies help us in ways beyond just giving money, there's always going to be one person in the room that says, money. And we're like, yeah, 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 no, we've got that bit. It's the beyond money that we need to look at. And there's a really good saying in corporate partnerships that says, if you ask for money, you get advice. If you ask for advice, you get money. So really what we're looking at at this point is what advice do you genuinely need as a charity and how can that help you achieve your mission? Because that's what's going to lead you to partnerships that make a serious dent on what it is that you're here to do. So you want to think about the big problems that are impacting your cause, both what is the problem that your charity is set up to solve and also, what are the things that are stopping you solving that problem? And by going through that in some detail, you'll find a number of areas that are rich for corporate partnerships to be based off of. So, for example, St. John Ambulance exists to step forward in the moments that matter. They're a first aid charity that provides support to people in the moments before the NHS can get there. The problem is that 
health emergencies can happen to anyone, anywhere, anytime. And they exist to make sure that people have the skills and tools that they need. So the problems that they're tackling is, is awareness and confidence in using first aid skills. So they might start to think about how companies can help them reach the audiences most at risk or how they can start upskilling workforces so that everyone in the UK can know first aid and St John Ambulance don't actually need to be here at all. Another great example comes from Carers Trust, who have a key problem that there are loads of unpaid carers across the UK, but they don't necessarily identify as a carer. They might look after their wife or their mother or their husband or their son, and they think they're just doing what a partner does. They're just doing what any son or daughter would do not realising the emotional burden that caring for that person is carrying on them. So in that instance, it's a real awareness piece of how can we get people to see that they are a carer and that there is support available to them. Awareness is often something that comes up here, but you might have much more tactical needs. There was a great example of an international development charity that realised that if they were working in renewable energies across sub-Saharan Africa, they needed a map of where in sub-Saharan Africa had access to electricity and didn't at the moment, and no comprehensive map of that currently existed. So that was then a project that they could take to technology companies, particularly any working in artificial intelligence, of we have a load of disparate information that we need to turn into one map. Is that something you can help with? And it's been really interesting to watch those conversations play out. As I mentioned at the start, we will come on to a case study that really exemplifies this. But if you think about a charity company partnership that is helping a charity deliver its mission, there are probably some that immediately come to your mind. I'm actually going to give you a second to put the ones that you can think of in the chat box now. You're probably thinking already of the Network Rail and Samaritans partnership, the one that Samaritans have taught Network Rail how to make life-saving interventions on platforms. It's a really famous partnership that we featured at last year's Corporate Partnerships Everywhere. And the reason it's so powerful is that Network Rail staff themselves saved nearly a thousand lives last year by intervening on staff platforms. Not only is that incredible impact, it's a massive news story. Network Rail are getting loads of attention for it, but so are Samaritans, and it's bringing other companies to their door. For example, Samaritans have been able to build a partnership with 3Mobile on the basis of being a better phone friend and having better listening skills, using, again, that point of getting people to have help from their friends before they need Samaritans. But all of these partnership approaches are coming because Samaritans have made themselves a magnet for those companies who don't want to be seen as a bank account. The other one that might have come up in the chat box is the Royal Mail Missing People Partnership where again, missing people saw their biggest issue is that people are missing in local communities and we don't know who to look for. Um, Royal Mail have incredible posties out and about walking around the community 24-7. 
And so by turning those little pads that you sign for your parcel on, or realistically now they use to kind of like take a photo of you awkwardly holding it in the doorstep because of COVID, um, when they're not taking the weird photo or you signing for it, that pad now has a rolling gallery of images of children missing in that area. And that partnership was able to find several children in the first month of it existing. Again, that got really, really good uh, awareness campaigns and traction for missing people. They were able to do a similar partnership with Deliveroo where they had pictures of people missing on the sides. And there's a number of things that have been brought to them. So the reason that these partnerships are so powerful is not just that they make your mission happen, but they actually bring people to you. Um, the example that we actually want to give on the next slide in a bit more detail is hot off the press. And um, so if you've heard of it already, I'm annoyed because I was trying to find the most recent I possibly could. Uh, and this actually happened in Australia last month. So it's really cool to see that this kind of partnership approach of how can companies help us achieve our mission is really making its way across the sea. And this partnership is perfect for a Valentine's Day special because it features Tinder. Tinder were approached by Wesnet. Um, Wesnet are the Australian Women's Services Network. Their charity is set up to ensure that women feel safe, particularly online across Australia. And although 79% of Aussies said that dating app safety experiences were, were really important for how they rated not only the app, but dating overall, over 33%, over one in three, said that they actually weren't sure how to stay safe when dating, whether that was on Tinder or on their Tinder dates. Over one in three people have had issues with dates where they've not really known how to feel safe and they've not necessarily empathised with the other person. There's a lot of discourse online about how being broad brush, men are often worried before dates that the woman isn't going to look like her pictures, whereas the woman is approaching the date worried for her own safety because she's meeting a man that she doesn't know. And this partnership is really looking to tackle that issue and to making sure that people can access Tinder in a way that continues to feel safe for them. They've created safe dating guides that not only teach you about the safety accesses of Tinder, but also give men advice on how to empathise with women and also stay safe themselves. And women advice on how they can keep themselves safe in a dating environment making sure that everyone have the tools that they need to make genuine connections in a comfortable way. Even a month into this partnership, it's led to huge customer engagement and a really genuine impact. The perception of Tinder as a safe place to be on the internet is improving across Australia, and a number of women are sharing the resource, which means that it shows that they have found something useful in it. It's a really nice example that shows that you don't have to be a massive charity in order to take on these strategic types of partnerships. And it's one that we really hope to see more of globally at the same time. If we move to the next theme, we want to look at considering companies as platforms. 
So just as we've said it's corporate partnerships, not corporate fundraising, it can be really helpful to think about corporate platforms as well as corporate partners. And this comes back to that initial question that we recommend that you ask at the start. How can companies help us in ways beyond giving money? Very commonly, a thought is it can help us raise awareness. And there are two audiences that it can help you raise awareness with. Your potential service users. So for Carers Trust, it's the people who might be an unpaid carer and not be aware of it. For Magic Breakfast, who have an awesome partnership with Heinz Baked Beans, it might be people who are eligible for free school breakfasts and may not realise it. Or it might be your potential donor base, people who care about what you care about and just don't happen to know that you're there and don't happen to know how they can work with you. And there's one key difference between charities and companies I mean, there are many key differences, but one big one is often a difference in their marketing budget. Some companies have marketing budgets that charities can only dream of. And the question here becomes, how can you activate a company's customer or colleague base using that marketing budget to help you achieve your mission? What is something that your partnership says about the company or says about the colleague or says about the consumer that they will be really proud of and they will take a label on of that then gives you access to a wider network. What does it say about the customer or the company to be working with you? And what does a person with that label do? Again, there's a great example from Carers Trust of this of Bloom and Wild. There's the Caring Wildly partnership where they feature all the reasons that you might buy someone flowers and all the reasons that you might be a carer. It's a really cool example. And I'll just give you a second to share some others in the chat that you might really like. I know that uh, Mandy, who uh, kindly introduced the session, has a favourite partnership in this space between ASDA and Bowel Cancer UK, where they've actually got the info of how you can spot bowel cancer on Asda's own brand, Loo Roll, which is a really cool partnership and also gives you something to do on the Loo, which is really helpful. Um, and I'm sure there are plenty of others that people can explore in the chat. But the one that we wanted to highlight on the next slide is the partnership between Whole Earth Peanut Butter and Sumatran Orangutan Society. The reason that we featured this partnership is many folds. Um, the first of which is, I just love peanut butter so much. But the thing that was really nice about this partnership is that SOS were able to turn peanut butter lovers into champions of the planet. They were buying Whole Earth already, which is a relatively premium peanut butter brand. Knowing Whole Earth's customer and knowing that they were sustainability minded, SOS saw that their opportunity with Whole Earth was actually in their customer base. So they started with cause-related marketing. For each jar of peanut butter sold, SOS would plant a tree, which meant that they were growing a forest of customers.
And that kind of messaging started to really speak to Whole Earth. They loved the idea of growing a forest of customers. But growing a forest of customers couldn't just be a marketing line. So at the top of the jar, knowing they had curious customers, they offered a QR code to find out more about where your tree was planted and receive a peanut butter recipe book to anyone who gave their email address. I mean, I'd give my email address for that. I don't know about you. Meant that SOS were able to turn Whole Earth from a corporate partner giving money for every jar sold into a platform for growing their mailing list. That means that now, a few months later, when SOS is ready to revamp their individual giving offer, they have many more potential supporters on their books than ever before. SOS are doing this great kind of corporate partner work across the board of their partnerships. It's just a really great case study into how you can use your corporate partners to access a different audience. And then my third one is about incentivizing giving. It's really worth thinking about what companies are going to get out of your partnership. Often we think that companies should be giving to charities out of the goodness of their hearts, but to access the most value possible, it's normal for them to want something in return. Boston-based expert Joe Waters, who is actually doing an amazing session at our conference on case studies, says that the best partnerships are based on a pound of self-interest and a teaspoon of idealism. For those of you in the UK, that's probably like a kilogram of self-interest and a teaspoon of idealism. But we'll forgive Joe his over-the-waters expressions. Um, the concept of selfish giving that Joe champions so much is a really valuable one to be embracing. When you're going on your perfect pairings, you think about what you're getting out of it as much as what the other person is. So it's really important to consider how you can engage companies in ways that will make both of your organizations money. You might be thinking of cause-related marketing. There might be a number of different examples in your mind. Again, please do feel free to put those in the chat, which will inspire other people. But there was an example that we just wanted to draw your attention to on the next slide that we thought was really cool, which was between Trussell Trust and Cadbury's. Using uh, the technology platform Goodloop, they were able to offer Cadbury's this little banner around their video about their Secret Santa campaign. And what it meant was, when you go on YouTube and that video plays before the advert and you're really annoyed because you just want to watch your YouTube video and you're going to skip that advert as quickly as you can, this banner comes up and says that if you watch this video, we will donate on your behalf to the Trussell Trust. This advert is going to feed people. It gives you a really strong incentive to keep watching that video. And the Secret Santa campaign did really, really well out of it. On the next slide, you'll see that Trussell Trust have actually been able to engage in this selfish giving tactic through Goodloop in a really successful way. And it's not just food-based partners who are interested. By working with Cheerios, GifGaf, Cadbury's, Deliveroo, they've been able to access those mega marketing budgets that we've spoken about before. Because this partnership is making people watch the advert. And so immediately there's a really strong commercial benefit. And there's a reason that this should come from their marketing budget, not from their CSR budget. In 2022 alone, 
Trussell Trust were actually able to raise £260,000 from these companies' marketing budgets. And a lot of these partnerships were started by those brands' marketing agencies because the Trussell Trust have been able to promote that they're doing this software. With that Cadbury's example that we gave you earlier, other than these partnerships making you hungry, they have probably improved your perception of Cadbury's. In fact, 63% of viewers said that it improved their perception of the advert, meaning that not only did the Trussell Trust win by getting over £40,000 of unrestricted income through that campaign, but Cadbury's won because they were made to look better. So we're just going to finish before handing over to Nina on the last slide, which covers our kind of three key takeaways from these three themes. The first of which is don't think of companies as big bank accounts. They don't want to be seen as your sugar daddy. They want to be seen as your partner. See them as your partner and achieving your mission, and you'll often have a much greater impact and a higher value partnership all the same. Secondly, think of your partners as platforms. Think about who they speak to and who their audience are, and think about what that audience could achieve with you. And then lastly, build your partnerships with what the company will get in mind. That pound of self-interest and teaspoon of idealism will really help your perfect parents go from good to great. Those are my three. Nina, over to you. Thanks, Andy. Loved it. Thanks so much for all of your um, <clears throat> brilliant case studies. Love them very much. And for those in the chat as well, um, the HSBC Shelter Partnership, my husband actually works in homelessness. And um, years ago, we often talked about the fact that you know, people that are street homeless do not have access to bank accounts. Perfect partnership, embracing a constraint that's out there and how um, a charity with a perfect pairing with a bank can actually really fix that problem and deliver impact. Amazing example. Thanks for whoever that was who suggested it. Okay, so I'm going to talk through a little bit, take a different bit of different approach to this. I want to talk about us being ambitious, about us reaching for the stars. Reaching for the stars is a quote from a CEO from one of the companies that I am going to talk about when he did say to me once, you know, why not? Why can't we do these things if we have a perfect partnership together? But one of the things that I do want to say, though, in all of everything that Andy said about partnerships is about everything. It's about money. It's about time. It's about how you can leverage your voice or your story or your narrative Still, you need to really have a focused, rigorous approach and have some BHAGs, um, which are big, hairy, audacious goals. For those of you who don't know or have never heard of that before, it's um, from a really great um, business management consultant called Jim Collins. And he wrote this book called Good to Great. And he, he studied lots of different companies. And he said the ones that always break through with their revenue and their income always set big, hairy, audacious goals. So something there for you to think about in your partnerships, like what are those goals? Yes, we've got the financial goals, but can you stretch, stretch and push them even further? And what are the other goals here about delivering impact for your organisation in fulfilling your mission? So um, one of the things that we always did when we were at Warchild was actually ask the company what was the objectives that they need to meet so that we could actually find alignment with the partnerships in helping to develop whatever that proposition was or what that pitch deck was going to be. Ask them that. 
um, and definitely embrace constraints. So on the next slide, I'm going to talk you through three different things that we did. So we secured a partnership with Allen and Overy. Yes, it was a charity of the year over two years, but they were raising, the charities who they'd been working with previously were generating around a million through the partnership. We took a different approach. We said, okay, if we turn this into a partnership, we think that we will leverage more money. And one of the key moments um, that this has sort of happened with the corporate fundraising team and myself was actually I went into the Allen Overy office and I could see that the corporate partnerships manager who was actually located on site in Allen Overy's office was just so overwhelmed. So much was going on, so much that she had to do to deliver just to the standard of what other charities had previously done. So not even going past that one million bracket. We asked for um, a strategic meeting. So it's the CEO, myself, the corporate partnerships manager, and the key people who are the decision makers around CSR at Allen Overy. And we said, look, we want to change the model. We want to change the way that you've actually previously been working with charities and we want to turn this into a partnership. We actually want to invest in more people to deliver an exceptional partnership. We want to be able to really maximize the relationship, the relationships that we can build here, which right now we can't because we're just delivering a tactical approach. So um, after a few conversations, we managed to get not, so the one person who was actually in the office working three days a week, all of a sudden was doing five days a week and we recruited one more person. So it went from three days a week working on the partnership to actually having two people in five days a week. That investment in itself was worth its money in gold. So I guess the real message that I'm saying here is, you know, really think about how you can transform the partnerships that you have with companies. It doesn't always have to be the same. But the one thing that I definitely took from that partnership was that it took a while to convince them that change would be okay. So really those conversations um, is where the value is at. Really make sure you're having these in-depth conversations with your partners because then, you know, more opportunity, more ideas will flow. But also the key thing is, is that there'll be more trust built. So as, as often as you can, try to get in front of them and have really exciting conversations as a partner in delivering impact for your cause. Um, we're really excited about that two million. And the partnerships since that partnership have been raising the same, if not more, because they're taking a partnership approach. Okay, so that's Alan Lovery. Aviate, um, I guess many of you may not have heard of Aviate um, or the Northern Trust for that matter. So I want to get you thinking about those brands that you may not have heard of before or those businesses that you may not have heard of before. Aviate and Northern Trust, they're wealth management advisors. And so one of the things that we said to ourselves is, why should we go and compete with all of the other charities in all of these big um, partnerships when there's lots of charities queuing at the door? Let's have a think about what we might be able to do to not only serve our corporate income line, but also to serve our philanthropy income line, which was growing and we were building it from scratch. So the space to be in was around hedge fund managers, those, those sorts of spaces. 
But where we came from with this partnership was thinking about ICAP. So many of you will know about ICAP or BGC Trading Day. We actually said to ourselves, are there other organisations or companies out there that are similar to ICAP and BCG, but they're not actually doing anything with charities? And we highlighted this company. They're called Aviate. They're now part of Northern Trust. And through a peer-to-peer referral, but we really focused. We said, we want this company. How are we going to get to them? And through real rigorous research and doing our network mapping, we managed to get the CEO of Aviate to one of our events. And before that event, we even got him locked into a meeting. So we knew that we got him at an event. We knew we had a meeting with him the following week. So we just had to really charm him at that event. Amazing. All went well. All perfect. We're in the meeting the following week and in months to come. And the offer that he gives us is we want to build a school in Uganda and we'll give you £100,000. Now, we certainly weren't looking for, firstly, um, a restricted partnership, but £100,000. Incredible. Amazing. At that point, Warchild is a really small organisation. So that type of money will be transformational. But building a school in Uganda was not a strategic priority. So we um, said no. Now, being brave and saying no is what we call not being a lazy fundraiser. You may have heard me say this before, for those of you who know me. But really, it's about working the conversation even harder, being a partner, bringing them along the journey and getting them under the skin of your charity so that they don't turn around and not want to fund strategic um, initiatives. So six months later, we finally got them into a contract for £300,000 unrestricted for three years and 50% of that to be restricted to fundraising because we were explaining to them that we needed to grow the charity. So we got them really excited about fundraising. The people that worked at Aviate were calling us and asking us, you know, what's the churn on your latest IG campaign? I mean, really unknown types of conversations that I was having with corporate partners so just think differently and be really creative but be really really um I suppose tenacious with what it is that you need for your organization don't just settle for what the first offer is negotiate work really hard don't be a lazy fundraiser and the third thing that I just wanted to share with you was really around rigor was around insight was about learning and change So I, this was when I was the director actually, and I was working um, with the heads of departments and I went to the head of corporate and I actually said, I really want you to stop doing charity of the year. There was certainly this movement towards partnership working and moving away from the the fundraising side of it. um, Because obviously when the partnerships come to an end, you need to fill the hole. I mean, we all know what we're talking about here. So she said to me, oh, my gosh, if we stop doing Charity of the Year, what on earth are we going to be doing? And I said, look, I just want you to go away and do an exercise and and just come back to me with the amount of time that staff have spent on your losses versus your wins and whether you could actually be spending that time somewhere else. The team went away. They did this analysis and they actually came back and said, you know what? We are not spending our time in the most efficient way. We're going to give this a go and actually spend more time doing something else. So I said to them, go away, go and find an untapped market, go and find something that strategically we could diversify our income. We could go and explore something else. We can go and find a market where there aren't many charities fighting for competition. 
And that's where we came up with our gaming partnership strategy and More Child Now, uh, one of the leading partnerships, um, sort of charities, I guess, that's working with the gaming industry. And it all came from that question, which, which is about efficiency and effectiveness in how we work. So some takeaways from that on the next slide. <clears throat> Ask for additional investment if you can raise more money. Why not? You know, push push the boundaries and raise more. Don't be a lazy fundraiser. Don't always accept the first offer. Go back to make sure that you're getting what it is that you need to ensure that your charity is achieving its mission. Find your assets and your hidden treasure and then sell them. And I suppose this lends itself to what Andy was saying around the platforms and the marketing. If you've got something in, in your fundraising toolkit or in your organizational to toolkit in your services team that would be a benefit definitely take that and sell them um, and lastly make sure that you're continuously looking at how you're operating as a team how effective you're being because it can really drive performance and innovation like the gaming um work that we did at war child so it wouldn't be fair to um talk about gaming and then not take you through some of it so I'm going to share with you a little bit about um, gaming but you know I'm open to having lots of conversations about this I, Andy said to me what do you care about lots in corporate fundraising and I said gaming because everyone well not everyone that's a sweeping statement but so many people think that um, gaming is about streaming yes okay there's a little, a little element when I say a little element I mean about five percent element streaming the rest of it is partnerships. And we started all of our partnerships through corporate partnerships team driving gaming and building our relationship with the gaming industry. So next slide. Let's have a little look at this. So here is um, just a slide with lots of different games companies. So we've got developers on here. We've got game studios on here. We've got platforms that you can stream on on here. This slide deck was um, the number of different games companies that Warchild was working with when I actually left Warchild, and that was in 2018. So, interestingly, that's where it got to by the time I left. When I, I'm from a corporate background um, in terms of my career, and I never knew anything about the gaming industry, but that's very much changed, and it can change for you too. So, if we have a look on the next slide, we um, developed a campaign called Armistice, working with um, one of the biggest game studios in the world called Wargaming.net. Um, before I go into this, I just want to say one thing is that we developed as a product this specific because our cause was about war games. Oh, sorry, it was about children in conflict. And we partnered with a war gaming um, studio. It doesn't mean to say, like, don't think them and go, oh, um, yeah, but War Child in games, that just makes sense. Actually, there's lots of different games out there that can be really specific to your cause and your cause-led um, work that you do. We created this to make it look and feel like War Child could be the only charity that the games industry can ever work with, but I'm here to tell you it's not. <laughs> um, so off the back of one of our um, sort of advocacy campaigns called Help, we created um, this game called Armistice, where essentially it was a war game where you, in the game, could purchase content to lay down um, your arms and play a game of football, or you could buy 
buy things like emblems within the game and stick them on your tanks. Um, or you could purchase the ability to write a letter of peace um, and you could do that while you're playing the game. So in-game purchasing. So it's sort of like CRM within the gaming world. And the first year that we did this, it I think we raised maybe about 100,000, something like that, or maybe even more. But this now is an annual annual fundraiser for Warchild. They have many other products as well, but this was the, the milestone one and the flagship one. But again, I really want to tell you the message is that all of that campaign started with corporate partnerships. It started with us highlighting all of the companies that made war games and actually purposefully going out and developing partnerships with them. The, these pictures here are the links to the very first game studios and games that actually got on board with Warchild. And you can see from that slide that I showed you just before, so many more on board now. So um, on the next slide, I just want to um, show you this piece, which is the streaming. Okay, so lots of you would have probably ex experienced streaming. It's very much probably now sitting in your community fundraising teams. The one challenge with streaming is that charities really struggle to get to the players or the streamers. And the reason that they really struggle to do that is because they are not in partnership with the game studios. The games studios have access to the players, i.e. volumes of people through a new medium, new audience. It's huge. <laughs> and we are not accessing this yet as a channel to actually engage with human beings who often are engaging when they're engaging for six hours plus. It's not just quickly watching a TV program for those who are doing DDTV, but, um, but you know, this is a whole new space and our sector is just not in it yet. And I'm really advocating to all of you now to, to get into it. So just to wrap up um, on this, oh, before I do actually, there is one more slide. Oh, yeah, I pulled this out because um, I wanted to say to you, the games entertainment industry is the fastest market that's growing in the world. Um, every year it grows, year on year, it's worth 178 billion now. I don't even know what that looks like um, in numbers. The UK market itself is worth 5 billion. It's a new channel to market. There's volumes of players, so new fundraisers out there for you. But so I counted... And there's 2,065 game companies in the UK. I also looked at how many banks there are in the UK. There's 500 banks in the UK. So at the moment, if you've got your industry pipelines and you've got banks and you've got all the list of the top 500 or the all of the 500, get a list of all those games companies because there's quadruple the amount. And that's just in the UK. We're not even talking global. So I just wanted to hammer home a little bit. I'm giving you permission, go find lovely partnerships with this really generous industry um, and help them build their CSR because they haven't got their CSR um, commitments built yet. You can help them do that. And so lastly, just the takeaways on this. Copy with pride. I'm giving you permission to go away and copy. Definitely copy everything that we've shown you today and everything that we've talked about. Do not underestimate the power of peer-to-peer -peer referrals, really. We did it 
um, in, in getting to the right people. We do it in philanthropy. We must do it in corporate. But definitely, even in the whole gaming world, we ask people to just be introduced to people um, and at events. And um, lastly, collaboration and integration of fundraising across other income streams and Marcoms, which is what Andy um, gave a nod to. Just want to say one final thing to all of you. One of the key things that made me, I believe, a really successful fundraiser was because I made friends with all of my peers. And when it was coming to end of partnerships and knowing that that particular corporate didn't want to partner with the same charity again, I would often introduce my buddies, my friends, um, definitely network with each other, learn from each other, help each other win partnerships and to get introductions to people. Um, and with that, I'll leave it there. Thank <laughs> you.